So love everyone. Try that one. Or as Rumi says, start a large, useless project like Noah. Right? <laughs> or set your intention to step again and again into the unknown with your heart, no matter what happens. Remember um, Einstein's uh, PhD dissertation that he turned in at the University of Bern was dismissed as irrelevant and fanciful, right? It was. And Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. It's the truth, yep. And the first year that Coke was introduced on the market, it sold 400 bottles. And Abraham Lincoln lost, I think, five of the first six elections that he ran in. Start a large, useless project like Noah, but make it a good one. <laughs> An impossible project, but make it a beautiful one. The Dalai Lama, who struggles so much because of the tragedy of Tibet and the Tibetan people, the loss of the, his homeland, the devastation of the environment, the rape of the temples and the people, he says, many times I do know what, not what to do. I don't know the right answer or the right way. And all that I can truly count on is my heart's sincere motivation. That every day I wake up and I say, this is what I dedicate myself to, compassion on this earth, no matter what anyone else does, to me, to us, to all of us. That is my dedication and I will do the best I can. But when we set our heart on gold, then when the accident comes, or the surgery, or the loss, or you know what, because it's going to come, that's part of being human, what comes and floods in into that moment is what we've really dedicated ourselves to. That is why we practice. We don't practice to get somewhere but to learn this trust in something greater, something impossible and beautiful, and to remember the greatness of our heart. John Kabat-Zinn, my very good friend, colleague, who started the movement of bringing healing and attention and meditation back into the medical system through his work in the medical school in Massachusetts 20 years ago, and now this mindfulness practices has spread into 400 hospitals around the country and a whole variety of medical schools and so forth. Um, he started with a little clinic in the basement of his uh, medical school, the clinic for mindfulness and the reduction of sorrow and stress <laughs> in the hospital. Imagine that, right? And he went to Grand Rounds, you know, got all the doctors together there at the hospital. And he said he told them he was going to start this thing and do this training. And he said, I'll be down in the basement. And what I want to ask of you is just one simple thing. I want you to send me the hard patients, the ones you can't help. The ones that at the end of the cancer treatment or the end of the treatment for pain in their bodies or the end of whatever it is, that you've done all you can and you can't do any more and they're still suffering, send me the hard ones. 
downstairs. I'll be waiting. That's an invitation, huh? And then he gathered his staff together and he said, you know, I told them that and we have our practice, but we have to work with these people. He said, but that's okay because we have the really big guns in the hospital. And what is that? We have the willingness, the capacity, the dedication to be with what is true. And that's fundamentally what brings strength to our spirit. So someone would come and say, I am in despair because of this condition. I am in whatever pain and suffering that life has brought me. And he said, would say, fine, sit down. Let us learn to be with that and work with that. The big guns of the truth. And this greatness of heart is your own true nature, this Buddha nature. When we open our eyes and say, yes, this is the way it is, and now I will work with this, to dedicate ourselves. Kabir reminds us it's not some other place that you're going to get to. The dedication is to this moment. I said to the wanting creature inside of me, what is this desire river you want to cross? Do you believe there is some place that will make the soul less thirsty? In that great absence you will find nothing. Be strong then and enter your own body. There you have a solid place for your feet. Kabir says just this, throw away all thoughts of imaginary things and stand firm in that which you are. So people think about dedication as if you're going to get to a goal. That's what's so good about impossible tasks. Sentient beings are numberless, I vow to save them all. It becomes sometimes like the Tao speaks of the hard being worn away by the soft, that water, the softest of elements, can wear away the stone. Do not ignore the effect of right action, says the Buddha, saying this will come to nothing. Just as by the gradual fall of raindrops, the water jar is filled. So in time, the wise heart gets filled with good. It's not a surprise. Without dedication, our life is confused. Our life is sad. Our life is lost in some way. There is in Buddhist psychology a teaching that when you come in, in the first moment of life, in the moment of birth, there is an image, an underground image in the bhavanga state that is there in the deepest place of your heart that's carried with you for your whole life. And that image is associated with the task of this life, some noble task. Now, if you want to learn about this, all you have to do is watch toddlers. Toddlers are about my favorite age, the sort of drunken sailor stage, you know, where they're like maybe... 11, 12, 13 months old, and they're just beginning to learn to walk. And first they stand up and just hang on things and shake and feel completely satisfied with themselves that they cannot just sit, but they can stand there, you know. 
And then they start to cruise. That's the technical term for it if you've forgotten or you haven't been a parent. And we're not talking single bar, singles bars here. <laughs> Cruising means kind of going along the edge of furniture and things. You know, they need to have something to hold on. And then they take that first step or two steps. And then what do they do? They fall down on their diaper or somewhere else in their body. This diapers are good. They're like this big kind of landing pad, right? <laughs> and then what do they do? They get up and they fall down and they get up and they fall down maybe 10 thousand times. And not only that, they laugh and they say, oh, well, that one didn't work. Let's try this again. <laughs> it's so beautiful to see that spirit, the dedication of the heart, the determination to grow, to understand, to, to enter this world fully. Kazantzakis, the author of Zorba the Greek, there are three kinds of souls, three prayers. I am a bow in your hands, Lord, draw me lest I rot. Two, do not overdraw me, Lord, for I shall break. Three, overdraw me, Lord, who cares if I break? Ah, Kazantzakis, what a spirit. When we discover the power of the spirit, of the dedication of the heart, and learn to trust it, beautiful things come from us. And we bring beautiful things to the world. I think about the mothers of the plaza, Los Madres de la Plaza de Mayo, in uh, Argentina. And actually, there are some flyers that are out there for anyone who's interested. Um, for the group that has been called the Women in Black, but now People in Black, doing vigils around the world. Um, because 9-11 is coming up again, as we know, the tragedy of 9-11, and perhaps the tragedy of our response to that. Because I thought we would learn and grow more from that as a country and as a nation. Um, anyway, it's an invitation for a vigil for peace to form a human chain from San Anselmo all the way to the uh, freeway in San Rafael. They want to get several thousand people on Sunday the 1st, uh, Sunday the 8th, September at 1 o'clock. So there's flyers if you're interested in joining us there. So the mothers of the plaza. Um, in Argentina, the military dictatorship in the 1970s, tortured, killed, disappeared tens and tens of thousands of people, suspected opponents. And 20 years ago, the mothers of, went to this plaza, the central plaza, in front of the presidential palace to confront what they called the bureaucracy of horror. They were fed up with futile visits to military chaplains who wore army boots under their chaplain's robes and of the complaints office where the dictatorship denied inquiries about the thousands that were systematically being kidnapped, locked up, tortured, and killed. When the women congregated at the plaza, the police snapped at them to keep moving. So the 14 mothers walked the plaza in slow circles, 
They kept coming back to protest braving nightsticks, police dogs, military spies who infiltrated the group and killed three of their leaders. Three old women were killed. They say the mothers of the Plaza de Mayo were fearless, says Maria Adela Antocles, now 85, who moves with slow, tottering steps and enormous dignity. But we were scared to death. We learned to walk with fear, to live with fear. We had an obligation to rescue our children. The mothers still march every Thursday afternoon demanding justice in this world, and the ritual moves bystanders to tears and applause, for the mothers are elderly and fragile now, and they walk arm in arm, hunched beneath the white scarf that's an international symbol of their fight for human rights. We never found our children, she said, but in the plaza we went to school. We told our story 50 times. We wept. It was our educational academy. The plaza would save us from the madhouse. At 325, the plaza would be empty as a desert, and five minutes later, the mothers would appear, like plants growing out of the subway station, the side streets, and people would come up and ask, who are you, teachers, pensioners? What are you protesting? It spread by word of mouth. And when Neruda, the great poet, heard about it in Paris, he said, the mothers are out, the military have already lost. Let my first act every morning be this resolve, says Gandhi. I shall not fear anyone on earth. I shall fear only God. And I shall not bear hatred toward anyone, nor shall I submit to injustice from anyone. I shall conquer untruth by truth. I shall conquer hatred by love. And in resisting untruth, I shall put up with all suffering and burden freedom to us all. Whether it's political or spiritual, whether it's in your love or your business, your care for the earth and the environment, it's really the same, isn't it? To bring your gift and make the world more beautiful to find that to dedicate your life to. Let's sit for a moment. As you sit quietly, a few simple reflections. Underneath all that you do and feel and think, what have you set your heart on as most important in your life?
And if nothing is apparent, you might ask yourself, why not? Just to know. And if you were to make your own spiritual vows, what would they be? Sentient beings are numberless, one of those vows says. I vow to awaken them all. Well, I hope you can choose a good impossible task for your life. Let's do a short chant before we go out into this summer evening. In India, There is a greeting when one person meets another, they put their hands together and say namaste, which means I honor the divine within you, or I see you, I see who you really are underneath all that. So we'll chant the root of that word namaste, namo, to bow to, uh, to honor. Nine times we'll chant namo. And as you do, you can bow to your own heart's goodness, to what you've dedicated yourself to in this life, to others, the dedication of others, or to others that ask for your bow and your prayer. Na
nobly born, may the courage of your heart shine in this week ahead. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.